Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Do we are the boys in white and blue, and we're back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And sadly, no Steve. Fun pander this week. He will be back soon though, so fret not. But we've got a lot to dig into. I said last week that I wanted to start the shows with doing our new TVOD section. I tasked Zach to, to watch some stuff on Amazon Prime and he did. Kirk and, and we, I watched it. Yeah, we were all set to talk about it and to kick off this episode. Now I'm going to forget it all. Well, you have to watch it again. I might have to refresh my memory by watching some stuff again as well. So we'll bring you that in the next one because there's been breaking news today. We're recording this on Wednesday night, Wednesday the 19th of January. And because it was going to then make our show super long if we added this in as well, we're going to shelf TVOD and talk about the big breaking news. Now, I had my booster shot today and I didn't know that one of the side effects was hallucinating because I appear to have hallucinated that the Whitecaps are getting rid of their best player or their player of the year to a conference rival for just money, immediately strengthening that rival that had a bad defence and weakening themselves in the process. That, that surely has to be some kind of weird fever that I've got from the booster. Tell me it is, Zach. No, it's not, Michael. Unfortunately, the Whitecaps at the back are going from Crepo to Crepo. Certainly looks that way because the breaking news that came out on Wednesday night. Now, obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday, so this is a very fluid situation. It's developing all the time. Even over the course of this evening, stuff has come out. And by the time that this comes out on Thursday, it could be a done deal. We might know a lot more about it. We're, we're basing it that it is a done deal, though, Zach, because of who the sources are in this. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, uh, the people who are talking about this being done are people who don't generally talk about things being done unless they are done. Yeah. Stephen, I'm the second best golf in North American <laughs> soccer from the Washington Post. He tweeted out initially saying that Whitecaps goalkeeper and player of the year, one of the top five keepers in Major League Soccer is leaving the Whitecaps. Not for the European move that mm. we thought 
it's probably going to come for Max after the season he's had. He, he had a career year at club and international level. If he moved on to Europe, yeah, totally understand that, and he fully deserves it. Yeah, I mean, he fully deserves a move where he can win championships, and if he gets more money in the process, even better. But he has gone for $1 million in GAM, the Garber Bucks. He's gone to LAFC, a Western Conference rival that did not make the playoffs in 2021 for a number of reasons. And one of them was they were yeah. shipping a lot of goals. Their defense was not great. It was better than it has been. Uh, I will say that. But their defense really let them down, as did some of the, the scoring issues they had. So they wanted to strengthen the defense. And they've done that by adding an excellent MLS keeper. Not a perfect keeper. Folk will point out that maybe his distribution isn't great. Um, maybe his commanding of the box sometimes isn't great. But as a shot stopper, as a, a physical presence there, I, I feel Max is one of the best in MLS right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a massive upgrade for them. And I, I don't think in their whole time in MLS, I don't think they've actually had like a quality keeper at LAFC. It feels like it's one of those things where they said, hey, look, we'll spend less here on some domestic domestic players initially with like, they had like Tyler Miller, who I don't rate at all. Um, and they went that route. I think they've had maybe one or two other internationals since then, but they've never had a keeper where you're like, oh, this guy's going to win them points. This guy's going to, you know, save them in, in, uh, in their moment, their hour of need, in their moment of need. And now they have that. And I mean, it'll be, it's, I mean, they're going through some significant changes though, right? I mean, when you have this Bob Bradley inaugural launch of your club era come to an end, there's a lot of changes and rebuilding and whatever. So with a whole new coaching staff, it sounds like. Um, yes, because the, the other big rumor, which at the time of recording this hasn't been confirmed, is that Mark DeSantis is heading back to LAFC as an assistant coach. A little reunion there for, for Max with Mark. And when we spoke to Max about three, four weeks ago, towards the end of the season in December, he was very sad to see Mark go, spoke so fondly of the relationship that he had with with Mark from a very early age. And now the two are going to be reunited. I will be surprised if that happens. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I will be surprised for a number of reasons if that happens, but um, it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, Maxime is someone that Mark brought to Vancouver. And um, I think there's, as you heard in that interview, there's a high level of respect and appreciation uh, for Max, for his former coach. Um and the yeah, new coach LA at LAFC is Steve Chirondolo. 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 It just rolls off the tongue, that. That's how I always pronounce it when he's playing for, like, Hanover in the Bundesliga. Chirondolo. Played at three World Cups for the US, so a guy that has a, a, a wealth of experience at, at playing level. And he has managed primarily as an assistant in Germany. And then he got his first big head coaching role with Las Vegas Lights, who have the affiliation the USL with uh, LAFC. So then I thought that was a surprise appointment. But if he's going to be signing players like Max Cripo, he obviously knows what he's doing there to make the team stronger. 
for real yeah totally yeah he was a he's done a bunch of coaching in uh in germany um at youth levels and stuff and with younger players and as assistant and whatnot and uh yeah has worked his way up to to getting the the lafc job i know he was um uh, I, I have heard people talking about him, but I, I didn't think uh, the LAFC job would would kind of be where he would land. But no, I mean we we were talking about the Mexican head coach moving on and stuff like that into that position. It's like you're thinking a much bigger name. So yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot of pressure on him. But that's all for another day. Let's get get back to to Max before we look at the monetary side and everything like that. So how this played out tonight was Stephen Goff tweeted it initially. Tom Bogart from MLS uh, confirmed it and then confirmed it was for a million dollars in GAM. And then Tom Bogart sent out another tweet this evening, which was very interesting because the initial news when this broke, as you can imagine, rightly so, did not go down well with the Whitecaps fan base. It was a case of, what on earth are you guys doing? But, this is the interesting little thing that has now come out. Tom says, according to a source, Max Cripo conveyed a desire to be traded out of Vancouver for family reasons. He did not show up for pre-season for that reason. So yet Max hasn't been at pre-season training camp that opened this week, and we were all told it was for personal reasons. So now we know a little bit more if this is the case that it was involving this i mean it's weird because max's family are obviously not american that threw me for a loop the the source who you have to feel is probably coming from within the whitecaps organization that mark max has asked for the trade now three to four weeks ago when i spoke to him as i said off the bat happy very content with life in vancouver looking forward to the season to come big big change in the space of three to four weeks yeah i guess yeah there's potential that the the white caps want to frame this as like the player wanted to leave so we allowed him to leave to me it doesn't matter like this is a like a massive failure to keep your most significant defensive like player uh, that you you did he want more money like whatever like if they and and like you said off the top too like if you again if you if he they announced yeah he's going to this club anywhere in europe i would be like good for him great yep. um but the vladdy's fife's got a good goalkeeper i would have said <laughs> the fact that he's staying in mls and that it's in the conference and it's at a, like you said a team that was below them like it, it just blows the mind. Like it, I mean, how it plays out will be more significant. But in the moment where we're at right now, this just just feels like they've done a really poor job with this. Yeah, it's it genuinely feels like a gut punch because it, there's no hyperbole here in saying without Max Cripo, the Whitecaps, we're, we're not a playoff team. We said that when we did our end of season awards, and. The reason we say that is the saves that he made, I don't think Thomas Hassel would have made some of those saves. We would or, have lost. Or, or Evan Bush, yeah. Yeah. Well, Evan Bush has left. Evan Newton, sorry, I think he's. Evan Newton, sorry. Too, Evan too Newton. many Evans. I, I got my Evans wrong. 
<laughs> I, well, actually, to be fair, neither of those events. I think, <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Um, so, I mean, you've got just losing one point somewhere would have probably cost them dear. Oh, yeah. So it's oh, like yeah. there, there is no doubt that Max Cripo saved the Whitecaps. Now, Max had a fantastic club season and he started to come into his own at international level as well and showed he is the future of, of the Canadian national team. That's that's the other thing that if if you're a supporter of the Whitecaps, you have to question and or be frustrated with. Like you're only getting $1 million of fake MLS money that really only helps the owners of the Vancouver Whitecaps offset some of their losses, supposedly. Well, well, right. Let, let's let's look, let's play a little bit of devil's advocate as we have to do because we're doing this before all the details of this come right. out. Right, right. I, I just I know we could have not gone into as much detail about this, but because it's a week to our next show, I, I wanted to. I, I, I want this some things I want to just play out in my mind just to see what might happen here. It's, so we'll it's okay play. for us to get something wrong once in a while. Yeah, it's rare. So I mean, I'm sure folk <laughs> will, will, will forgive us. So a million in GAM in MLS can do a lot. Because that must be up there, top four or five trades for, for allocation money within the league. And for a goalkeeper, that feels like an absolutely massive amount. So you can look at this. Max is currently coming off a career year. So his stock is probably at the highest that it's been. Will it go higher? It's impossible to say. It could go lower. So the Whitecaps are maybe cashing in on what he's worth just now. And it's an offer that was too good to turn down a million in GAM. And if the player has said he wanted to leave anyway and someone's offering a million, yeah, yeah I guess you do bite, bite their hand off if no one else was prepared to offer that. And again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. The way the Whitecaps will look at this is Vanny Sartini, Mark DeSantis last year both said the way that they look at it, they've got two number ones in Vancouver, Max and Thomas Asal. Now, we spoke about it. We don't agree with that. Thomas Asal, he's a good keeper. He's a good young keeper. He's a great prospect. He has done some great things when he played for us. He's also done some not great things and been responsible for a number of goals. Which is okay for a young keeper. Yeah. All, all keepers go through that, and young ones especially. But to me, he was not at Max Cripo's level. Max was the clear number one. Look, so are the Whitecaps saying, look, Thomas is another year older now. We have faith in him because we've got a better backline in front of him that we feel we can make this move now, cash in on this money, use this money elsewhere, and we'll come back to that in a sec, and just let Thomas grow in the position. One of the byproducts of, of what's about to potentially happen is that yes Thomas Sassel does step in to be number one and uh, the the club grows with him right and his growing pains and whatever and that can be that can be meaningful however to put this in let's put this in Axel, Axel Schuster's language this feels like it'll be very much a step backwards like or a step down or yeah, you know yeah. they're, at least they're initially they're, they're talking about wanting to take the next step. This feels like a, a, a backward step. Well, um, we're looking at a team that hasn't really added much. You've got no. Tristan Blackman. Well, well, and they've added all those guys who didn't play last year. 
Vitae. Oh, yes, th- yes, that's true. Kyle. And- yeah, and Kava's going to be like a new signing when he lights it up. We'll, we'll talk about the strikers in the next part. But it does feel that we've now taken a step back. And you look around the league right now, and there's teams strengthening left, right, and centre, and adding DPs and adding big acquisitions and making trades within the league. So it does feel we've gone backwards, but we now have a million in GAM to go with all this other money. So it's what they do with that. They have to use this in a very, very good way for this to make any sense and to be worthwhile. I don't want to see them using this just to buy down some contracts. Now, right now, I thought might find this amazing. On transfer market, the Whitecaps are the fourth highest value team in MLS. That's well, that's what Crip posted there, right? Yeah. My mind was kind of blown when I, I saw those figures. I've got to say, I was like, oh, th- this this gam that they've got. So we've got to replace a goalkeeper. So there's two ways of doing that. You could bring in a, a big goalkeeper that would be the number one. So that's then taken away from Thomas Hassal. And I, I just have a feeling they're not going to do that. I just feel it's going to be Thomas that is the number one battling it out with Evan Newton and whoever they bring in. Initially, when I saw this, and this has kind of been poo-pooed now tonight, that's not happening. I thought, oh, how about you bring in Milan Borian, no. get a couple of years out of him while Thomas learns the ropes, get some games while he's away internationally, and then Milan retires, and then Thomas takes over. But that isn't happening by all accounts. No, Milan Boring would not want to do that. Also, um, I don't think he would come cheap either. It'd probably be more yeah. expensive than Max. Yeah. So then the other thing I thought of was, ah, there's a few good keepers in the CPL. One Mr. Marco Carducci. Could he come back? It would help Steve. <laughs> no, um... I, I can't see that happening. I, I probably can't either, but... Is, is Bo- Bomer still on the books too, right? So Bomer will just be the number three now? Yeah. I think Bomer got let go at the end of the season, but he's back in the camp. But I think he has a little trialist thing beside his name. Oh, I, I need right, to double right, check right. that. But that is probably going to be the three. Uh, and I, I said a couple of shows ago, look, Evan Newton, for me, is a really good keeper. And they, they really should have a look at both of them and decide, don't just automatically give Thomas Asal the, the start in Jersey because Evan Newton is worth a shout. Now, obviously, we've known Thomas for a long time. We've followed his career. He's a great young keeper. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a fantastic keeper for years to come. I just don't know that he's ready quite yet to be an MLS starter. But, yeah, growing pains, as you say, that sometimes you just maybe have to bite that bullet and just let him grow on the job and take the pain that comes with it. So if we're not spending the money on a goalkeeper, we now have a million in GAM and in MLS terms, that can get you a lot. But what do they need that would be worth spending that money for? Oh, no, I think we talked about significant needs, right? I mean, um, again, maybe this you don't get this within MLS, but like you maybe use some of that money for that uh, other central midfielder um, to play next to Caio, uh, who's uh, also uh, a dual six and eight that that um, 
Vinny covets or whatever. Well, um, yeah, well, Daniel Bikel's going to Vicenza. Again, at the time right. of recording this, it's not 100% no. confirmed, but from the people that but saying it is, it, he's it in Europe, is. Right? Yeah, so he hasn't yeah. come back. So th there's a gap on the roster and an international spot. Well, I was going to say freed up, but we had we we had one less than we than we were needing as it stands. So now we're up normal things, and they go for two fifty in GAM at the moment. So I guess a million in GAM could be used towards getting an international spot if we needed to do that. I mean, a striker, a, a, a DP striker for a million GAM and whatever you want to pay. I know we have a DP striker, but say he was to move on. But they're... You, you could do a trade, get Cava to go somewhere. Because Axel said this week that Lucas Cavallini, will, he, he's not in the market for being sold. Didn't say he was in the market for being traded or not in the market for being traded. Well, I mean, if you read if you read those comments, essentially what's happened is no one has offered them anything that they feel fits their valuation of him. That's the bottom. Yeah, that's pretty what, much. That's, that's it, what it, he it did is. say there's been interest in a number of the players, and you have to imagine that Cava is one of those players that's that's had interest in him. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to Cava shortly. But I mean, we've got this gam now. For me, it has to get spent. It ha and not just in buying down players. It's got to be strengthening the team. It's got to be seen to be bringing someone in, because right now we have regressed. Will that will that happen before the end of February when they play their first game in Columbus? If they're doing a trade within the league, I would say yes. Now, obviously, once this goes through, Axel will speak to media Thursday or Friday, so we might get a few more answers on that. That's going to be one of the first questions I, I would be be looking to to ask him. So we won't talk too much more about it just now, because maybe there'll be some more twists and turns come out by by the time that this podcast is listened to by, by people who, who knows, it was very fast moving tonight. It, it was just a shock. Did not see this coming. And yeah, as I said, gut punch. It's just like, I just... It made no sense to me, but if Max asked to go, I guess it made sense. We'll only know when we get to speak to Max, who, I mean, we've always had a great relationship with Max. I, I'll be upfront. I know we joke about favorite interviews and stuff. Max was my favorite player in the team to, to speak to, even more than my wee Scottish friend. It's like Max always had so much time for us. Yeah. And you saw that in the last chat that we did. We chatted, I think, on record for about 35, 40 minutes, and we chatted beyond that, just general chit-chat as well. I I'll miss him. He, yeah. I, and always on the pitch and off the pitch as well, and I, I wish him nothing but the best in LAFC. And it can only be good for Canada if he just goes from strength to strength down there, and then you've you've got that. That's, I mean, that that is, though, like going back to our discussion end of last year or whatever, is it... If you're a Canadian supporter, this is a little disappointing. Not the fact that he's leaving a Canadian team, but the fact that he's not going to a better level that's going to challenge him even more and hopefully make him better. Now, obviously, he's going to a place where you got to think it's guaranteed that he's going to be playing every game. But Well, they it, only have one other goalkeeper signed just now, and it's not a very good one. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, it, uh, yeah, as a Canadian supporter, it, it, this doesn't feel great. No. And... I mean, LAFC should be a higher level than the Whitecaps if they perform to their levels. 
But this is a team that has underperformed in their, their four seasons so far. And it's, yeah. The one thing is, I guess you will have more practice for those Mexico matches, right? Oh, yes. Going against Vela and training every day? I, I genuinely can't wait to see him in the LA Derby as well with how fired up he gets in games. So that, that should be be good as well. But let's move on from, from that news. We were going to start the show by talking about the, the main Whitecaps news of the week, which we now have. But it was initially going to be that training camp has opened for 2021, 2022 even. Pre-season is underway. I've just written off 2021. I'd forgotten all about it. I think we're just going to relive it. So, yep, training has begun. The Whitecaps are going to be in Vancouver now from January 17th to February the 3rd. Things have changed slightly just because of COVID restrictions, Omicron and stuff like that. So they're training up at UBC. They will depart on February 5th to San Diego. They're going to go there for 11 days, then back in training in Vancouver from the 18th to the 24th. Then they fly to Columbus on the 25th for their season opener at Columbus, February 26th, 12.30pm in the afternoon kickoff against the crew. Yeah, they've just got to get ready for that. So everyone was was back. Well, no, they weren't. A lot of players were back at, at training this week. Not everyone was there. Max Rupo, for example, was not at training this week. Neither was Kyle, who's still in Brazil, and Ranko's still been in, in Serbia. Um, I'm, I'm assuming they will be uh, arriving sooner rather than later. Is Evan Newton stuck in the States too? Oh, yeah, Evan Newton's not there yet either. So, yeah. So are you, have you been called... You or Stephen called him to play a keeper or...? Uh, maybe that's why Steve's not here. Maybe this oh. is maybe he's not allowed to be in the show anymore because he's signing a deal. All right. To, to be fair though, if Steve has replaced Max, we're in a worse state than I thought. I scored against Steve in the first media match. It's like, yeah, that's that's terrifying. Vanny said that he's happy to see that everyone has come back in great shape and. In the past, not recently, it has to be said, but in the past, we've had some players that have certainly not come back in shape. So, I mean, that is good to see. And looking at the the training this week, I I haven't headed out this week because I was getting my booster today, as I mentioned. I wanted to wait to had that before heading out and everything out amongst all the players, some of whom have come back from who knows where and obviously don't want to give the players anything until I'm fully vaccinated. But from watching the video and from just chatting to folk that's been there, they're all looking sharp, they're all flying, they're all looking keen and hungry. So, I mean, that's that's a great sign. Four pre-season matches have been announced. February 6th, uh, they're playing Club Tijuana Reserves in San Diego. It's going to be a mixture of like first team and, and reserve players. So that, that's a, a good game. February 9th against uh, New Mexico United USL team. Then February 12th, San Diego Loyal SC, another USL team. And then February 16th, a closed-door scrimmage at the LA Galaxy. Interesting selection of games. I'm not sure how testing, necessarily, that those games are going to be. But it's just better than last year, where they were like trying to cram games in at the last minute. At least they're getting away and they're getting games this year, Zach. Yeah, I think yeah, this is better than last year, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how they do against the Loyal. And uh, then, of course, the Galaxy. But, um, yeah, the other two games aren't really that exciting. 
uh, you hope that they don't have like I know it was a game where they played two two day, they play a, a day where they played two games and the one lineup yeah. was against like uh, the one lineup against uh, Indy eleven Indy eleven Chicago and, Fire and Indy eleven yeah was it uh, Hamilton yeah it was Hamilton right it was playing for yes. Indy eleven um, and you know and the younger uh, players in the squad did not you know acquit themselves super super well they you hope that you know they don't have another you know. Uh, one like a match like that against like New Mexico or Tijuana reserves. Well, New, New Tijuana, Mexico. Tijuana, is a, Tijuana is a good side. Yeah. Well, Seymour has just signed for New Mexico, former WFC two player. Oh, friend of the show. Okay. So, yeah. They, they really don't. Want, they really don't want to perform badly in that game. So all five draft picks are in training camp as well, and Vanny just wants to have a look at them to see where they fit in to what the Whitecaps are, are, are going to be doing, what team, whether it's the MLS team, whether it's the MLS2 team, or he, he spoke as well as, as did Axel about trying to get players in the right place, which hasn't ruled out loans either, so that there could be loans for, for some of the guys. Um, a couple of trialists, if you want to say, one of them, very familiar face to St. Ricketts, who is... Axel mentioned he is signing a contract with the club, but it's more in a front office role. So now he also has to earn a playing contract because he doesn't want to retire. He wants to keep playing. Now, to me, with who you've got in the striking department, if if the young guys show well, for me, you sign Tost an MLS2 deal and it helps the young guys down there. I think that would make a lot of sense, but I don't know. He's still got potential to... To do it in MLS, we know what he can do, but we just didn't get a chance to see much of him last year. Yeah, I think I think he's past his MLS days, and uh, I think it would be weird to have. I don't know if if he wants to play a mentoring role on the on the reserve team, maybe that that would be good. But yeah, la- but he is last- looking ahead to the future on the business side of the game. Yeah, when, last- when we spoke to him last year, he's he said how much. He was really enjoying interning and learning the business side of it. His biggest contributions to the club last year were definitely off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole stand-by-me thing and everything that went with that. And he's wanting to get involved a lot with the diversity side of things. I mean, it, it's such a diverse city. Well, it's like yeah, wonderful he, for that. Yeah, he already has been. He wants to up that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other new face, a proper new face, a proper trialist, we, we can say is a, a guy that some people might not know the name, Kwame Awua. But this is a young guy that's got a wealth of experience. He's had two seasons in MLS already with New York City FC after being drafted by them coming out of, of UConn, where he was actually a roommate with Jake Norwinski. And then he's had three years at Forge. He's won two CPL titles with them. He's played at international stage in the, the CONCACAF League. And in his three seasons before, she's got better and better and better. We'll get Zach's thoughts on Kwame shortly, but I'll just bring you some audio with him now. I got a chance to sit down with Kwame today just to chat about his career so far, what's brought him to the Whitecaps, his hopes for the future, and what was it like being a roommate of Jake Nerwinski. So sit back, put the kettle on, grab a chocolate digestive, Listen to our chat with Kwame Awua. So Kwame, 
welcome to to the show. But we've wanted to speak to you for a while. Just never, I we haven't given a lot of coverage to Forge being the the East Coast, and we kind of more focus on the West Coast team. So we'll make up make amends for that now, and we'll we'll just chat about your career and and everything today. But but before we get into all that, just welcome to to Vancouver. How? How have you found being at the Whitecaps so far? Have you been much to Vancouver in your time? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I've been in Vancouver before. I mean, I've played here with NYCFC against the Whitecaps, and um, I've visited a couple of times. Uh, this is not a new uh, environment for me, as when it comes to the city and the town. I mean, I'm from Toronto, so this is a, a smaller city than Toronto. But in general, I mean... There's a difference between how Toronto, the East Coast, and the West Coast people are, and I've been able to experience that already, so it's good. Um, coming into the Whitecaps facility with the staff, the, the players, and everyone around, it's been always, it's been a warm welcome. Everyone's welcoming me with open arms. Um, everyone's ecstatic, ambitious. Um, you can tell everyone is goal-oriented and family-oriented. There's a real brotherhood within uh, the locker room, within the staff members and they know exactly what they want and coming from teams where I had each coach there was always a real focus into what we wanted what we wanted to do how we wanted to portray ourselves on the field and what is that we wanted to get done goal goals individually and as a collective and for for people that aren't aware, you, you've you've had a couple of seasons in MLS. You've spent the last three seasons at, at Ford, so you're you're coming with with a lot of experience already under your belt. How how did this trial come about? Did when did Vancouver kind of reach out, or did you put feelers out that that you were interested in making the, the step up from from CPL? I mean, coming back from NYCFC, um, obviously it was something that. I wasn't able to take full advantage of and but I was a, I was able to learn a lot from NYCFC and going into a new league such as the CPO with the new team Forge. Um, the plus side, uh, Coach Bobby put a lot of emphasis in playing Canadian players because they wanted to express the Canadian talent and I was able to play in um, comfortable in a comfortable situation where I knew exactly what was wanted what was needed for me and I was able to build up on that year from year. Um, this past season, I think, was one of my better, best seasons. I think every year I've gotten better. And as a team, we've gotten better every year as well. Yeah, we, it was unfortunate for us not to win in the final against Pacific, but we were able to call, qualify for a CONCACAF Champions League in three years, a new club in three years in the Champions League. And I think after those big matches throughout my three years, the CONCACAF League, I was really able to test myself against the better opponents throughout CONCACAF and put myself in a better position by playing in those um, hostile environments, Honduras, Guatemala, Panama, Costa Rica, El Salvador. That's just to name a few. So playing against those well-known CONCACAF clubs, such as Montagua, Olympia, etc., and doing well, I think it caught the eye of... Um, Axel Schuster, the technical director, and um, the coach, the coaching staff here. So I'm very um, happy that they were able to contact me and were believed in believe that I can bring something to the Vancouver Whitecaps. 
and hopefully it can continue to translate on the field and hopefully I can put pen to paper. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, because watching you with Forge the, the last three years, you've certainly been one of the standout guys in the league, one of the standout guys on, on a team that, I mean, frankly, has been phenomenal. And obviously out here, we were cheering Pacific on in that final, so don't don't hold that against us. But, I mean, what what you've achieved at Forge in the three years has been nothing short of remarkable. And the performances that the club has had, as you talked there in the, the CONCACAF League as well, have been great. And like you came through the Sigma system under Bobby Smyrniotis and uh, like some amazing players that you played with at, at youth level and in, in League One Ontario. When you were coming through at Sigma, did you know that like Bobby had that ability to go to a higher level? And did you ever think you would then be with him achieving all those things in, in a Canadian league? I think Bobby at first was, it was, it was funny because growing up, we've always had, every year we've gone up, usually you change coaches, but Bobby had a crop of us, Kyle Lahrens, me, Richie Larea, um, Chris Nanku is also at Forge, uh, a couple of other guys that, have gone on to minimum college, full uh, full scholarships in D1, Division One colleges. And he stayed with our group because I think he believed in our group and we could be a special group. But f- five out of out of like the 2018 guys on our roster play, are playing at the highest level. And then um, everyone on the roster got a Division One scholarship when obviously the academy system wasn't really flourishing, to sending players to Europe. So I think that was a he helped us realize that there's other ways to get to where we want to get to as long as we put in the work. So I always knew, we always questioned why he was still coaching kids like after we went to college. But then once the CPO was starting and him and his brother Costa Seniortis um, were putting their hand in it, I always knew he was going to become a a head coach. Um, He really has a knack for the game. He understands everything. He knows everything about anyone in every league possible, he really has a real soccer mind. And I was really able to pick pick his brain these last three years. And even from when I was 12 years old, joining Sigma. So I think it was a great experience. Never thought that I would go back 10 years later and he would be my head coach. Yeah. I, I mean, what Sigma's done in this country has, has been amazing. And I mean, Bobby probably deserves a chance at, at an even higher level. I know he's really happy at, at Forge. Did he give you any advice coming on this trial? Did he just wish you the best of luck? Obviously, he'd love to have you back, but he obviously wants the better for best thing for you. But what was his advice to you coming here? Um, yeah, I mean, in my exit meeting, he was like, I know you have things that you want to achieve. And as a player, he's like, of course, I'd love to keep you here for 10, 10 12 years. But it's like, I understand that what you want, we might not be able to provide it per se, but... At the same time, he's like, this is not a league where we want to keep guys here. We want to push guys on if there's better opportunity. There's always a higher ceiling that you can reach. He's like, and I want to see you flourish. So yesterday, I actually had a conversation with him. He was asking how everything was going. And he told me, just game, you know how to play. Ask questions if you don't don't understand what's going on. And stay engaged and play with a smile on your face. Enjoy your time being there. Whether Whether things work out, whether things don't work out. As long as you get that experience and you've done your part, then focus on all everything you can control and things should be fine. When you look back at your time at, at Forge, 
two championship medals. I, these are memories that's going to stick with you forever. Did it? Did it feel a special group right from the start? Because it certainly looked it. Obviously, year one, you and Cavalry had that big rivalry, and this year it's yourself, Pacific, and, and Cavalry. I, I mean, it it just feels this was like a golden group of players all getting together at the right time. With you a part of that? Yeah, I mean, going going back to the Forge, I knew a couple of players that. We're already gonna go, such as like Kyle Becker, uh, Chris Nanko, um, Tristan Borges, just to name a few. And I knew I I never doubted the ability of Bobby's. I never doubted Bobby's ability to recruit talented players. So I always knew Forge was always gonna play well. I knew what to expect from day one. Um, the first year we didn't start off in the greatest. Uh, way, but I think once we got ourselves together, I think a lot of us underestimated what the league, what the competitiveness of the league. Yeah. And, yeah. So then once we got our bearings together, I think we really started to take off. So I mean, it was it's exciting. It was exciting. The first two years we won the championship and missed the whole COVID uh, thing that we had, we all had to stay in a bubble in uh, Prince Edward Island. Um, then the third year, not being able to train, have a preseason at home, starting off again, 500, four, four, four wins, four losses. Yeah. In the beginning, everyone thought we were down and out, but I think we had a talented group of players. And the one thing that made our team keep going was the ambition, ambitions. We knew that we had so much more to achieve and we knew what we were looking forward to. We always knew that this is our goal and this is what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to qualify for Champions League the year before, because we were so close, we lost a penalty shootouts. We knew oh, that was one of the main goals. And then the CPL was another main goal championship, get to the championship at least. But obviously scheduling, we were playing, we played 40 games in five months. I know, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we played 40 games in five months. So a lot of people don't really know that we played uh, Pacific on Sunday and we landed um, Friday, Saturday morning. So like 2 oh, a.m. Wow. Saturday morning. Yeah, from Honduras. Okay. So that's a, yeah. that's that's a, yeah. So that's another thing that the, a lot of traveling. We travel to five countries within that five those five months, and yeah, for the most part, everything was great. The organization was great. The way we played football when we played against the big teams with every all those big occasions, the big matches, we showed up and we proved that Canadians can actually play soccer, can hang with the best of them. And here in Vancouver just now, hopefully. We will see you here for a long time because I've, I've been a, a fan of how you've played the last few years. F for people that haven't seen you play, now, I, I guess a lot of people that have watched CPL, they'll know you as a left back, but I know you can play left midfield, you can play centre midfield, and you've done that throughout your career at various times. How do you see yourself fitting into this team and how would you describe your game to, to someone that hasn't maybe seen you? Um, I would say I'm a dynamic left-sided player, um, can go end-to-end, -end, uh, create chances, crossing chances, final passes. Yeah, like I play wing-back for forge and sometimes like center midfielder, but I think my most um, positive aspect is my ability to be versatile. So depending on the tactics of the game, I'm able to tuck inside as a left fullback, like the Pep Guardiola system where Joao Cancelo tucks in and play as another holding midfielder, push the uh, center midfielders up higher into the play. Or I could play a wide uh, fullback wide winger in a 3-4-3 three, three, 
where I'm running down the line, it can go one v one. And then I've where I've made it a thing in these past two three years to be more solid defensively. So I take pride in one v one defending. So I think anyone that doesn't, anyone that knows me or has known like the statistics that this, the CPL puts out, I think I was top ten in all the defensive categories. So I really take pride. I take pride in it, and I like to be in combination with uh, my teammates and just playing a good brand of football that everybody would want to enjoy to watch. Yeah, your style of play certainly fits into how I know Vani is looking for it for the team to be playing this season. Is it weird with where you've been? You've been in MLS for two years with NYC. You've been three years at Forge. Is it weird being a trialist again? And did, did have the club said... We're, we're looking for you to show this or are they just wanting you to go out and be yourself out there? Um, yeah, I, I've had the experiences and I think um, I can bring a lot to the table, but try this or not. I mean, for me, it's always been whether, whether I had a contract or not, it's always um, controlling what I control and then prove to the people that believe in me that they're right to believe in me rather than prove people wrong. So I think I've always had to put my head down and grind and I know I have ambitions and as long as I stay focused on what I need to do and follow what the coach wants me to do and then put obviously my own kind of flair in it where I can be myself as well not as robotic as you know what I mean but I think that's it that was an important thing try this or not I mean I'm here and hopefully things will work out and then we can move from there but take it step by step and just the last thing, obviously when you go to a new place or a new club, you're, you're kind of settling in and th- there's a lot of Canadians here. And a little birdie told me that Jake Norwinski was your roommate at UConn. So is it nice to reconnect with Jake? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him since 2019. So first seeing him, I'm like, wow, we're old. <laughs> I was like, we're a lot older, right? So, I mean, it's really nice to reconnect with him. Um, I don't know if people told you, um, he recently got... Uh, engaged i was supposed to be one of his groomsmen but covid oh. in 2020, yeah so we were roommates for three years in, at uconn both got drafted at the same time and yeah he's one of my closest friends to this day and it's really nice to reconnect with him um a couple other guys that i've known that are on the team like russ tybert from my time with the nat with the national team um maxime uh, lucas cavallini actually grew up in toronto so i used to play against his brother and used to play we used to play futsal all together oh, so cool. yeah so there's a couple of guys that I, I've, I've known, some of them I've known of, and then some of them I've known. So it's not a big dynamic. And these guys are welcoming with open arms. So it's it, it's always, it's been an easy transition. Well, that's great. It's a great club to be at. It's great facilities. Wish you all the very best. And hopefully we, we see you signing up and playing MLS this season. Yes, I hope so. That's great. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, Kwame. Kwame Awua there, trialist right now in the Whitecaps preseason training camp. From what I've seen of him though, Zach, in, in CPL the last couple of years, he would be a really good addition. He is down as a left back, but as he spoke about there, with Forge, he played a lot of left wing back. He can also play central midfield. He did that at college. He did that a little bit with, with Forge as well. But the system that Vanny likes to play, and I know Vanny told us he's going to develop into a second system now as well, wing-backs are the way to go. Um, 
I, I mean, a battle between Kwame and Christian Gutierrez to, to play in that role or to alternate roles, I think would be very, very strong for the Whitecaps. Yeah, we talked about, I think we talked about this, right? They needed uh, a good option, uh, a, more, a better option, I think, behind, um, a, uh, behind Gutierrez at left wing back. And it seems like this, this could be a good fit. Um, I think. Well, I mean, uh, he's, he was ranked in the top 10 for all the defensive stats throughout CPL last season. Oh, and yeah. For me, he really has just got better and better in that environment. And I mean, it's such a good system that Bobby Smaniotis has built there. And I mean, Kwame talked there. He came through the Sigma system with Bobby, played alongside guys like Richie Larea, Kyle Laren, and that was such a talented young group. Yep. And he's had that experience. I think it's 10 or 11 appearances he's made in MLS with uh, NYCFC. Played here at BC Place against the Whitecaps for NYC and had some good players around him as well. I'm, I'm excited by this. I, I, I think he could be a very, very good addition for us. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a positive move um, for Vancouver. And I think it's, again... Uh... An example of how the CPL is moving players on to uh, a high, like a higher level, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't like to say that in one sense about MLS and CPL, but it's, it's true. No, but I mean, Kwame, Kwame said it himself yeah. there and like basically said Bobby had said the, the same. And also like Christian Gutierrez is involved in the national team. So if he's going away in national team yeah. stuff, you've then got a really good left back or left wing back, depending on, on how you want to go. So let's fingers crossed for Kwame. Hope it all works out. I hope you enjoyed our chat with him there. But we've got a lot more chats and interviews to, to come in the next three parts of the show. We're going to keep talking Whitecaps though, and we're going to be back looking at a very interesting striking situation after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for January from Edinburgh, Scotland, The Exploited. And that was the title track from their seventh studio album released in 1996. That was Beat the Bastards. And like personally, I think... That should be a dressing room song for the Whitecaps. Get them fired up. It's a crossover thrash punk song and you just want them going, be the bastards, and then getting out in the pitch. Would that yeah. not inspire you to get three points? You should talk to Toss. I, maybe, I, maybe I will. I'll suggest that to him. I don't know, though, that we would maybe want to play that in the locker room and get maybe someone like Lucas Cavallini fired up any more than 
than he already maybe is when he, he goes out on the pitch. Which is a nice little segue to what we're going to be talking about in this part, which is the strikers situation at the Vancouver Whitecaps. Because a very interesting and busy, packed kind of pecking order right now in the forwards department at, at the Caps. You've got your two main guys, if we're looking at it that way. Last season's leading scorer, Brian White. Designated player, Lucas Cavallini. If the Cats are playing two up front, you have to think that's the two that should be penciled in first on the team sheet. But then you've got a little bit of a backlog behind them. You've got Christian Dahomey, who Vanny did say he sees more as a, a wing-back and maybe playing a quarter or so of his time as maybe an out-and-out striker. It's difficult if if they decide not to go with wingers. But if they do have this second formation that allows wingers, then obviously things are different and it opens up more playing time for these guys. You've got Deber Caicedo as well, who had a great season and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year with, with the white caps and if he can build on that. Then you've got the young guys that's coming in behind them. There's the, the new draft pick, Simon Beecher. There's last year's draft pick, David Egbo. You've got a couple of the other draft picks that, that play forward positions. And you've got Theo Bear that has returned from his loan over in Norway as well. All fighting for positions. If St. Ricketts gets an MLS deal, you can add him into the mix as well. It's a very, very stacked level. And I know a lot of those guys will find minutes and time and maybe contracts at MLS 2 level. It's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. It feels like a full stable, but maybe not the right mix of of horses, you know? Mm, um, I like that analogy. Yeah, like... Some horses, some donkeys, you may even want to say, if you were cruel, well, which I'm not. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to put that one. That act, but that's probably, that's probably true. I, I still think this... Um, Fanny's comments and uh, his desire to do uh, 75-25 split with with Dahomey is going to cause problems. Like, I, I really don't think Christian Dahomey is happy with that. I don't think that's his desire. I think he wants to play much more as an out-on striker or in a formation where there are wingers. Uh, so I, I'm really concerned to see how that's going to play out. Because, I, I mean, if things go well for, for Vancouver, probably less of a problem. If things don't go well, like if the homie's playing wing back and he's getting, you know, attacked, like the other team's attacking him like 90% of the game or seven, you know, 80% of the game, I, I don't think, and they're not getting results. Well, oh, man, I, I, I don't think that will last long. I, I, I think it'll be very, very negative for, for the homie and for the squad um, in, in general. Well, I mean, whoever's not getting minutes, they're never going to be happy anyway, but it's, there's going to be guys that are not getting significant minutes. And you, you do look at someone like Caicedo, who was excellent and needs to get a run to, to get the best out of him. But then you can't have a designated player sitting on the bench either. Brian White, he might, we've talked about this, can he live up to what he did last year? It's probably unlikely he can hit those levels. If he can, Vancouver's got a real shot of being a, a, a good playoff team. 
But again, if you end up with Brian White sitting on the bench, that would be a surprise after the, the season that he had as well. I mean, I, I missed off Ryan Raposo even when I was going through all that. If you class him in the forwards department, you could maybe just look at him as a winger. I, I don't know how you'd want to look at that. The, the young guys like Beecher and Eggbo and stuff, you have to imagine they'll be primarily earning minutes on MLS 2 and showing Vanny, look, we're scoring here. You maybe want to have a little look at us. So they're going to have a, a firelit under them. But then the, the interesting one is Theo Bear. So he's back in the Whitecaps fold just now. Headed off to Norway in August last year. Played with Hamcam. Scored goals with them. Three goals in his first five games. Then a little bit of a dry spell and then finished the season with a goal as well. Hamcam won the championship. Got promoted to the top flight for the first time since 2008. Got playing time regularly. But now he's back in Vancouver. Now, we're going to hear a little bit from Theo shortly. He also spoke to media on Monday, so you can check that video out on the, the Whitecaps website. And it, it's an interesting situation with Theo. Actually, before, before we delve into it, let's just hear from Theo just now. So again, stick the kettle on. You're going to be eating a lot of biscuits in this show and enjoy our chat with Theo. It's a, it's a very raw and honest interview and I, I think you'll all really enjoy it. Here's Theo Bear. So, welcome back to, to Vancouver. Theo, you've been away for a, for a little bit. I just want to start off by, by asking you, how was, was life in Norway? It, Harmar seemed a, a lovely little town on the lake. It just looks very picturesque and beautiful. How did you find your time there? Did you get a chance to explore the country much? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, first of all. Um, beautiful city. The people there are, are very nice and kind. Um, they welcomed me with open arms. It was, it was honestly like a real great experience. I got to explore Oslo a couple of times, but we didn't really get to explore much of the country just due to the fact that our, our season was so compressed. So a lot of the time we were playing Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, or you know what I mean, vice versa. So um, I got to explore Oslo a lot because it was only an hour or and 10 away on a train. So we would just train up there on the weekends or if we had a day off the next day after training and then go explore for a bit, have fun, shop a little bit, look at the scenery and then head home. So, um, yeah, Norway is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. Um, high standard of living, a little bit expensive, obviously, but um, I think anywhere in the world is expensive. Not really. It's, it's, it's just kind of how the world's changing. Yeah, I've never been in Norway. I should have taken the chance when I was in Scotland because it was just an hour's flight away and I never went. But I do hope to go and, and see it at some point. For sure. And they, like they say, travel broadens the mind. What what did you learn about yourself, do you, do you think, in this time away? I mean, for one, I learned that this isn't particularly about myself, but more about the scenario here at Caps. We are unbelievably spoiled here. This uh this facility is beautiful. Um, the pitches are beautiful. The every all the amenities are beautiful. Um, but I, I also learned that I, about myself. When it comes to myself, I don't need that. Um, when I was in Hammer, not to say that the amenities and everything wasn't uh, a true blessing and gift. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I 
I had no complaints about. They had everything that was necessary, essentially. Whereas I think here you have a surplus. You're you're given things kind of there. It's like everyone is is working their their ass off for for what we achieved, um, and want more, obviously. But the the the, the turf was was shocking, um, to say the least. And uh, the whole team will say that it was. But it's a field, you know what I mean. I I, I learned to to kind of adapt and 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 feel that that's all I needed. I, I need a gym. I need a, a ball and a pitch and I need good teammates and that's it. And a good coaching staff and, you know, that sort of stuff. But like, yeah, the, the, the means of living and being a footballer is uh, there's, there's so many different standards. It's a very high standard here just because of what they're able to provide. But um, I learned to, that I don't, I don't really need that. You see a lot of Canadian players, and especially before the CPL, but I mean, it still happens. A lot of them go to Europe, and some of them end up in wild, far-flung places. Like we've spoken to to Toss about some of the places that he ended up as a player and stuff. Norway is a really good place to land. It's a country that they love their football there as well. And you went, obviously, into the second tier there with Hamcam. How did the move come about? Like, did you ask to get loaned out to get playing time or did did they get in touch with the club and say look we, we've seen Theo would like to to bring him there well uh another thing that I, I like to be honest in these interviews um I, I essentially was told that I, I wasn't being competitive enough in training that was that was the gist of it um I didn't believe that was the case but that's that's what the was the the overall feeling at the time um and even so, uh, I wanted to play. I knew I needed to play as a young player that um, that just needs minutes. I need to play games. I need to play games with men as well. I can't be playing. I am a man, obviously, now. I'm uh, yeah. grown out of that teenage stage. I'm 22 years old. So I needed to play games, and I hadn't played. I was just telling Nate, I haven't played a full season anywhere, ever. I've always played half a season or part of season or with – uh, dipping between two teams, 23s and first team, you know, I've never just been on a team playing every week, 30, 34 games. You know what I mean? So um, basically my agent's Norwegian. Um, All right. Yeah. And Hamcam was looking for a striker um, and they, they watched me. They really liked me. Um, the coach had a clear plan. Uh, by the way, that coaching staff is excellent. I admire them so much. And I, uh, I wish them all the best. They've, they've gone and moved on to Rosenberg now, the, the two coaches that were coaching me, but they are uh, excellent, unbelievable coaches. Um, but they, yeah, they really liked me. So they brought me in. Um, and basically they watched my video. They asked if I wanted to go. I was hesitant because Norwegian second division, MLS, you know, people, people would think, and the word around it was like, oh, why would you go to USL or CBL? But mm-hmm. that, that Norway. Norwegian second league is very good at the top half. A lot of yeah. the top, top teams there, uh, for obvious reason, because the elite Syrian, which is a very, it's a respected league. Um, it's it's just teams going up and down, right? Kind of yo-yoing between. Um, so the when I got there, the level and quality of the players was unbelievable. I, there's a lot of guys on my team that really, really, really impressed me. The whole team impressed me actually. The, they were uh, they were great, great players and great people as well so um yeah it kind of just came about because my agent is Norwegian he put my name out there I assume 
and they they looked at me and they said oh we want this guy so uh, I, I took the risk and i went and it was uh, relatively successful well yeah i mean you say relatively successful you won a, a championship you've got a championship medal so no one can ever take that that away from you what was it like to be involved in a promotion battle now obviously i'm, I'm used to that growing up in scotland that's the game my team's a small team in scotland third tier so promotion relegation sadly we're getting relegated this season but that that's just that's how we live what was it like to be involved in that for the first time i mean it was unbelievable that it was uh every week it felt like like that you're playing a championship game it felt like you're playing for a cup it felt like you're playing for for your life basically until we weren't until we were 10 points eight points clear at the top um so it was just like the environment on the pitch in training was unbelievable. There, there's no foot off the gas ever. All of the players were very focused and wanted to help each other. And there's no egos. Everyone was just kind of like, let's get this done. And then we can celebrate at the end and enjoy, uh, enjoy life basically. So um, yeah, being part of that competitive environment of a winning team was, uh, was truly, truly exceptional. And they obviously won the championship. They've got promoted to the elite Serie now for the first time since 2008. And for a small club, obviously, that, that means a lot to them. Has, has this given you a taste for being over in in Europe? Like, If they were to come back and say to you, we want you back for the, the season that starts in April, would you bite their hand off? You, you said in the scrum on Monday, the Whitecaps are your club, you're always going to be a Whitecap. But would that lure be something that you'd want to push yourself and challenge yourself at the top tier? I'll tell you what I've been telling everyone else who asked me similar questions. I just want to play. I, I am at a stage in my career where if I ever, <clears throat> you know me and you've known me probably since I was 16, 15 years old and you've interviewed me and whatever, I would tell you, I want to be, I want to make it to the top of European football. Um, I want to be part of this golden generation for Canada. And I want to be one of the, the better forwards to ever play for Canada. And that's the, that's a stretch at the moment because we have so many good players. Yeah, It's, it's going to be so difficult for me, but I, uh, I'm i not the type to, to give up on that. It's been my dream since I was a little boy. Um, so wherever I'm wanted, wherever I'm going to play is where I'm going to be. I want to play football. I love, I love playing. And that's what I learned when I was in Norway. I, I almost can't go without it. I, I'm addicted to playing. I'm addicted to the competition. I'm addicted to, to being in a, a team every week and being involved in those important games. So wherever I'm wanted and wherever I'm going to play is where I want to be. That's all I can say. I, I, I won't ask you the stuff that you were asked on Monday in the scrum. Anyone, can watch that on the on the website but I, I do want to touch a little bit because obviously you're, you're back here now you're flying and training I've not been out yet because I got my booster shot today so I want to wait till okay. I got that before I before I came out so I'll be there yeah. next week but folk have said you've looked sharp you've looked hungry when you first went to Norway you exploded three goals in your first five five games and yeah. I, I'm sure part of that was just as you've said oh, I'm finally playing I get a chance to do this do you feel that you've got a real shot here now. Now, without going into stuff maybe with Mark in the past, because past is done, we won't delve into that. You've kind of alluded to, to what he told you. But it's a fresh start with Vanny. 
And in all honesty, the striking positions seem wide open right now, especially if Vanny wants to play two men up front. Have they said to you, look, you've got a real shot here. We want we want you here. We want to see what you can do. I mean, I think I always have a, a slight shot. Um, but with that being said, there is a lot of players in that position. Um, and given the, the system that we play without wingers, um, players like Diver and Dajo also have to kind of slide into there every now and then. So, um, again, like I said before, I, I'm just going to – I, I want to focus on what I can focus on, and that's just training to the best of my ability. Um, I think I've done well in the last couple of days, and I, uh, I'll continue to do so. Um, and, yeah, whatever happens, happens. I, I wish I had an answer for you on that one. I haven't spoken yeah. about it too much, but um, uh, I've told everyone, Whitecaps is the club that gave me everything. It gave me my professional debut. It gave me the chance to be who I am today. Um, so I owe a lot to this club where, I mean, I, I love it. I love it here. Um, I'm comfortable here, but that is also a, a slight issue to in itself. Um, yeah, you need to push yourself. and Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, again, like I said, I'll be happy where I'm playing. Um, if it's not here, then it's not here. But if it is here, then great, you know. Um, I just want to play football. That's great. Thank you so much, Theo. Um, I'll see you at training next week. And it's been a pleasure watching you come through all the ranks. And I, I hope you get to do it here or wherever you end up. My big regret with you is I wasn't down in Portland when you scored that goal. I decided yeah. not to go to that game because it was a shit season. And I was like, I don't want to go down. And I always regret that because I'd love to have been there to see you score that goal. Yeah, that was a, that was a big moment in, in my life for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good, good luck with everything and thank you so yes, much. Man. Theo Bear there, Zach, and very raw, very honest stuff from him. He wants to play. He he was told by Mark DeSantis that he wasn't competitive enough at training. His future here was basically not going to be happening so he wanted to get away he wanted to have playing time and as he told us there he's a man now he's 22 he's a big physical specimen as well if you if you look at him now he's done a lot of gym work over in Norway and he's the kind of guy that we spoke about you want a big guy like that knocking the ball down to to Brian White or Kava in the six yard box for, for them to put away that's what I feel we need as the second striker. But he wants to play, and wherever that takes him, that's where he's going to be. And if I'm putting money on it, he's not going to get a sniff here, I have to say. I, I yeah. feel that. Yeah, I don't think he wants to be here, and I don't think he's going to be here in the long term. I'd be surprised he, if he's, he's not. Want, he wants to be here if, he, if he's going to be getting minutes. Yeah, because he's, he's a White Cats fan through and through, he says, and it's always going to be his team. And wherever he's going to be getting minutes at a top level, we're not talking MLS two minutes here. If he was playing regularly or half a season or whatever with the White Caps in games, he'll be happy playing here. He just needs to play at the stage of his career. And as he said, he's never had a full season playing anywhere. It's always been mixing between two teams, like going from the under-23s to the first team or 
going out on loan or having half a season with Hamcam. He just wants a full season playing somewhere. And the, the season in Scandinavia doesn't start to April. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just, I can't see him staying. Uh, I, when I say he doesn't, he, I don't think he wants to be here. I, it's because more, not because he doesn't love the club or whatever. It's because the situation's not right for him. He's not going to get the minutes that he needs and wants. Well, he and knows so, who's ahead of him as well yeah. right now on paper. There, there's four or five people ahead of him, like realistically. So, yeah, I think you'll see him likely back in Norway come April. That said, though, preseason games, he could suddenly, him and Brian White could have an amazing partnership. And all of a sudden, Theo's the guy that's knocking the balls down and White's putting them away or Gold's putting them away or maybe even Cava's putting them away. And it, it's White and Cava that, that do that link up. He is at the stage of his career that he has to play. And we, we said last year we were glad he went to Norway because he has to get those minutes. We've known Theo since he's probably, what, 15. We've spoken to him for years. I, I, I love the guy. It's like, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say that. I know media is not meant to have your favourites and stuff, but you really want him to do well because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. But he's also such a good player and he's got good potential. But he's at this stage now where he has to be playing against men. He has to be getting tested against men. And I feel his future lies in Europe. And it's one of those things, once you've had the taste of that, once you've had the taste of playing in a European league, once you've had the taste of playing week in, week out, that's what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't... I. As much as his heart might be with the club, I think his uh, his head and his desires are elsewhere, and I think he's going to follow that path. And I think it's not going to take long. I, I, I honestly, if he you know hits a couple of wonder goals like he did that time in Portland in the preseason, I, I really don't think that that's going to change that much, Michael. No, it's there are so many folk ahead of him, and he's very realistic of that as well. And. I mean, he might go back to Hamcam. He might go to somebody else. I mean, they, they, he spoke there. The head coaches of Hamcam have just gone to Rosenberg. You never know. They might have liked what they saw of him and decided to take him to Rosenberg. But once you've been in Europe, it opens doors. Maybe not, hopefully, in, in a weird kind of to St. Ricketts kind of way where you're in some bizarre, far-flung places playing for teams that maybe don't pay and stuff. But he enjoyed the whole experience and... I just want to see Theo play. I want him to thrive. I want him to get back in the Canadian team mix. And he wants that as well. So wherever he ends up, whether it's here, whether it's away, we wish him all the, the very best. Mm -hmm. And somebody else that I, I wish all the very best to as well for this season is David Egbo. Because when we signed him or when we drafted him and then signed him last year, I was really high on him from what I'd seen from his his college highlights and he looked to have such good potential had a couple of injury problems had some visa issues as well that couldn't let him come up to canada and join the team and what visa issues? crazy crazy isn't it imagine that happening in vancouver eventually got some training got loaned out into the usl with phoenix rising it's five goals and 17 appearances for for phoenix rising showed some good flashes and had some nice stuff, is still learning the game. 
And you've got to remember, he hadn't played for 18 months. He'd lost a whole college season with COVID. Yeah. He'd lost another season that he, he lost the whole preseason with the Whitecaps that he couldn't do stuff. So he was still finding his feet. And then just as you're getting into your stride, the season's over and you've got another off-season coming up. So he's hungry and he's keen to come and impress. And he knows he's got the, the new kid on the block, Simon Beecher's come in. So you've got a little bit of a rival there. So I got a chance to sit down with, with David Egbo as well today just to, to chat about his first year as a pro. Not what I'm sure he thought it was going to be. And just coming back to the Whitecaps now, the... the the season ahead, what he's looking forward to, and a, a lot more as well. So here's a chat now with David Egbo. Hi, David. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, sir? Good. Um, I haven't spoken to you since the the draft a, yeah, a year, a year ago, ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... Yeah, yeah. So I thought we'd just do a, a, a quick catch-up. I guess first thing to, to ask you, you're a year into your, your professional career now. I know it's probably not how you envisioned your first year going during a pandemic, not even being able to come to the country that you were you were drafted in and everything like that. How, how do you look yeah. back at, at 2021 from your point of view? Um, I'll say, you know, it was a year of growth, you know? Of course, we all make plans and like it doesn't really pan out the way we, we want it to. But then again, you just can't sit back and just, you know, soak it or soak up and it would just be sad for yourself. You got to learn. You got to take something from it. You know, I took uh, I learned a lot from uh, 2021, you know, um, from everything that I that I went through in 2021. You know, there were definitely some ups and downs, more more ups than downs. And that's just it's part of life. You know, you. You get knocked down, you pick yourself up, and you move on. You were with Phoenix for the the bulk of the year. You went there in June. Yeah. First of all, I, I've never been to to Phoenix. I know I've had friends that's gone down there, and they say it's a really nice city. How how did you find that, and how did you find the whole environment at the club? Because I know they're a a very high end USL team. They're very professionally run. Yeah, yeah. Well, Phoenix is beautiful. I loved love my time in, in Phoenix. Uh, had some awesome people that uh, forever will be my life for yeah. forever. <laughs> um, yeah, and the club was awesome. You know, they have a tremendous uh, facilities, uh, the training pitch, the game field, everything was honestly not. I wouldn't say it was USL uh, level. It was more like a top top tier pro pro level. Um, you know, it was it was a fun it was a fun year. You know, when the year wouldn't uh, didn't end the way I would have loved it to. You know, and it ended a little bit earlier than than we than we had hoped for. And, and you know, it's all part of the process. You learn, and now you know we know that uh, we know with the time there they know what they could do, and um, so hopefully um, they learn from how last year went. And I'm wishing them the best. Uh, this year going forward personally for me uh you know it was a learning experience you know coming up a year and a half not playing COVID year and all of that you know anyone who's played the game of football will tell you that you can take three months off and you will still be rusty you know that so coming up a year with missing preseason you know joining in late and everything it was you know it was tough but honestly I thank God for everything that happened last year and in, in, yeah. 
I mean, for being rusty, you had a, a good performance down there. Five goals and an assist from your, your 17 appearances. So, I mean, we watched highlights of some of your games and it's like you were looking sharp enough. When How did you find that level? Because obviously you've gone into into the pro ranks from the college game. A lot of people, when they, they come into MLS, they talk about the pace of the game. And I know USL is not that much lower than MLS in a number of cases. How did you find the adjustment? Was it quite an easy adjustment for you? Yeah, it was. It was quite for me. I would say easy, but I wasn't. You know, it wasn't something that I would that, that I would be like. I, I can't play. You know, I don't. I don't believe in that. Um, it was more um, for me. It was just trying to adjust myself physically because after missing so long, you know, that was the I'm trying to get into a pro into a pro uh, pro level uh, pro level physicality, and then you know. And you go from you miss time off in college and you come back and just it's gonna be hard to you know get into that physical shape and now at the pros it's the next level so you gotta be physically fit and you gotta be top tier right I, you gotta have tremendous quality so that was I would say it was hard for me to to like keep up with them and like the level two you know it's pretty much the, I'll just say the quality the MLS it's definitely better. Than, um, than the USL, but the physicality, I'd say, honestly, uh, the USL is a more and more physical league than, than the MLS that I'm saying. But uh, I don't know a whole lot. That's just me talking. Maybe uh, people may uh, disagree. But, yeah, um, for, I just had to, um, you know, I just had to take it day by day. It was basically like a day by day thing for me, just coming today, you know, get 1% better every day and just see how far I can get. And that was just my mindset of, you know what, I would, because I, I didn't expect myself to be where I left off when I was in college after an injury and all that. So I knew I wouldn't, but I just wanted to be, I just uh, wanted to close that gap of how far I, I lost and where I need to be. Just want to close that gap and make sure it's not that big, big of a gap anymore. And just have the right mentality. When, in your time there, what do you feel you learned about, about yourself and as a person really and a player as a as a player i'll start as a player i learned that i gotta be patient more because you know i'm I'm the type of player because i've never anyone who knows me like ask me what position are you what i tell you i i tell them from the bottom of my heart i don't know i just play wherever coach wants me to play and so when i play like i play each position differently like if i'm playing up top or playing as a second striker or whatever i like to come for the ball like you know get a feel for it touch it you know keep the ball so i learned there that you know what that you have to trust your teammates be patient let them find you you know do all the work for you and then make your job easier you know you don't have to do everything so i learned to be patient i learned how to trust my teammates more and um, you know just adapting to a different system to a different type of playing system so that was good um as a person i just you know just learned that uh that i don't like the heat as much as i thought i would so, <laughs> yeah. but no yeah um, i just i just learned to just take everything uh in like life is not gonna be the way you want it to be it's not gonna be uh, a plan and life is not all sunshine and rainbows you know, some gloomy days and you just got to, sometimes you just got to grind through it. Cause. Yeah, and like through adversity, it makes you a stronger person and a better person, both yeah. as a person and, and as a player. And that's the main reason I haven't been to Phoenix is the heat. It's like I, I'm a, I'm a pasty white Scottish guy. <laughs> Me down in Phoenix or Texas or anywhere like that is is not going to be a very good mix. 
I mean, yeah. he, like speaking to Ryan Gold, like at the end of the season, he had said the heat down when he was playing there was like incredible, and it's nothing that we're used to at all. Yeah. Um, you're back in Vancouver now, and uh, talking about new systems and everything to to have to learn. Have you had a chance to actually explore the, the city? Because I mean, you didn't really get to to explore it last yeah. year. When yeah. when, did you, when did you come up? Um, so after the season was over in Phoenix, I was here for about two weeks. So I got to um, see a little bit of it uh, before before I went home for break. So yeah, I love downtown. It's a beautiful city. That, that I'll say. Um, but now that I'm living here, you know, I try to you know go out more than I. Then I can, but then again, I really can't because it's always raining over here. So I just sit. Yeah. So I just sit in my apartment and I'm just like looking out the window. I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful city. Everyone's nice and welcoming. It's so clean and it's just the diversity. I love it. You know, everyone's different. We get different cultures around here and I just really love that. It just makes you feel like, you know what? Hey, everyone, anyone can settle in over here. And everyone is just, you know, like just wants to know more about you and friendly and it just makes you feel more it's like a making you feel more uh like home when like, you don't have your family like three thousand miles away so yeah, yeah. So I, I love the city and i can't wait to see more more yeah i mean it, it's a big city but at the same time it has a small feel to it which i think because the downtown is there's so much to do and then you've got so much things on the outskirts of the town as well i mean it, it's it is a wonderful city I mean, obviously, it's not an ideal time to explore stuff and hopefully things will open up and you'll get a chance to do more. I always think it's bad because season starts in January and our rainy season's like November to March or April. So players come here for the first time and all they see is like nonstop rain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me about it. It's, I'm like, you know what? I'll give you guys... You said it's a beautiful city. I'll give you that, but I'm sick and tired of the rain. Yeah, yeah. we got we got to do something about it. Cause damn, I thought it rained a lot in Scotland, and I came here, and it's like, oh, okay, it's even more. Yeah, yeah it's so, crazy. So I mean, on, on the pitch, then you you're back at training this week. You you've got a a, a real shot at, at the team this year. There's a new coach there. The the striking roles seem wide open. Speaking to Vanny a couple of times, the way that he's looking at it is he has a squad of 22 or so players and he expects them all to play many minutes over the course of the season. What what are you looking to achieve in this camp? Is it just to, to impress Vanny in particular because he's not really had a chance to, to look at you yet? Yeah, um, for me personally, this camp, I just want to do it for myself, you know, and, do it for, and I just want to push myself to be the best player that I can be, you know? And yeah, I would love to be on the, on the, on the good side of, of Vanny and his staff and everyone, because like you said, I haven't really played on the Vanny except for like a, a week last November. And that was, that was fun. But um, I love the way he, he uh, does things like his system and everything. I think one thing that stands out for me about Vanny, about Vanny like, that I really, really like is his energy that he brings to training. So like it's just like a simple thing. It's like it's the like the, like the domino effect. You know, if your leader is energetic and you know pushing everybody, everybody follows. So that's that's what I love about him. But yeah, I, this this uh, preseason, I'm just I just want to make sure that I uh, show everyone that you know what y'all didn't make a mistake. 
drafted me last year and just proven that I can play. I can be well, uh, one of the best players on my team and hopefully the league someday and just be the best person I can be for myself on the pitch and off the pitch. I can just I can be a good locker room guy and just, you know, socialize with everyone and just be really more part of the team like this time around and not try to be like a, like an outsider. Yeah, and the, the competition is obviously huge th- this year in the striking department because you've got the new guys that don't have the contract. You've got that contract, but you have to show that, that you're the guy that, that deserves it. But you strike me as a guy that thrives in that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah, that's, but that's 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 soccer for you. Know? No one's job's safe. And we have guys, we have top, top players here and everybody wants to play and everybody can play, you know, but... At the end of the day, you, everyone's got to. You just got to do the best of your abilities and, and do the best you can. Because you can't just sit there and hope and be like, "Oh, I'm better." You can't look at other people. What you got to work on is yourself because you can't control what other people do. So you, you can control yourself and how you work and your attitude and and everything. So if you if you focus on that, then everything's gonna fall into place. But if you're watching other people in training and be like oh like is he doing better than me then then that just puts yourself down and then you start putting more pressure on yourself but if you focus on what you can do and and then how you can ball out then that's better for you so like that's the way i try to do things and i'm focusing on myself and what i can do to get better every day and i'm asking the coaches for advice and everything and, and and yeah well, wish you all the very best. Thank you so much, Thank you, man. Have a great um, day. So, a, a great chat there with, with David Eggbo. He is a, your favorite. Definitely one of my favorites. He is such a nice guy to speak to. We did some other stuff that's not in that interview there, some of our, our fun segments and stuff, and some stuff that's coming up for our, our special CITR fundraiser show that, that's coming up around Valentine's Day, just about the, the love of the game and love of football. So spoke to a few guys for that, and David was one of them. And when you hear that, you'll... You can't not root for the guy. But obviously, it's not just about being a nice guy. You've got to be able to do it on the pitch. And I think this MLS2 team is actually going to be the making of David Egbo for, for this season because he's going to be close at hand for Vanny to watch him. And he's got this competition from Simon Beecher and maybe some of the other guys, that Theo Colomb and, and stuff like that, that that's come in. He knows he has to impress and he's got this confidence. He's got this swagger about him and he's got a personality that if he can translate that to the pro level with what he did at college level, he's got a real shot of making it as being the guy that comes off the bench, the guy that is maybe gets the last 10, 15 minutes of games. And it's up to him now to impress in pre-season training, impress in these games and impress at MLS too. But he's got all the attributes, I feel, to to do that. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with those, I mean, aside from Theo, what will happen with those strikers who are further down the pecking order and what battle takes place in terms of which one maybe ends up as the first player to come off the bench and which player starting in the second team 
Um, it's a big season for like Ryan Raposo as well, because it's like, where does he, does he fall down the pecking order here? I mean, I mean, I I was surprised. I remember at the end of last year, we were evaluating that he had played in so many games. I forget if it was 27 or more or in the thirties, I forget, but he played in so many games, but he he had some flashes. Yeah. But again, this is a thing. A young guy needs to be playing regularly. That's where I think that, I mean, in theory, the, the whole second team helps, right? Because part of it is not just like, oh, yeah, you know, you're in the in the first team on the bench. Often what happens with uh, in some of these first team, second team situation is you might be on the bench in the first team or might get 10 minutes for the first team, but then you also play like the full reserve match, right? And so, um, yeah, he is someone I think who could really, this could really be a, a blessing for him to to really find form that, um, helps them earn more t- time in the first team and helps them make a bigger impact, um, uh, which is obviously what he he is hoping for. And like it's all in theory just now, but this Whitecaps MLS two team has the makings to be a very exciting team to watch. I'm really looking forward to it. You're going to have the battles there. There, there's some academy guys as as well that that's going to be pushing for that. Uh, Meliano Brienza as well is a guy that's going to be pushing for getting that MLS deal. He was very close before to getting that. You've got young guys like Cam Habidala that's going to be getting lots of minutes in there and wanting to impress. And it's got the makings of a good team. And I'm excited to see what what the roster makeup is. Folk know how much I love WFC too. We were one of the few sites that regularly covered the, the team, really. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to this as well. So we've looked a lot at the, the striker and the forward line in, in this episode. Next time, we're going to have a little bit more look at the defensive side. I know we kind of touched a little bit on that in part one. But that is it for the Whitecaps chat just now. The rest of the show, we're going to be turning our attention to TSS Rovers another club close to our heart here at AFTN. We're going to be looking at the share issue that has just been launched publicly this week in part three. And in part four, we're going to be chatting a little bit more about League One BC and their preparations for that. And we're going to be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we've gone all the way back to 1977 and a punk song called Mucky Pup by English punk band Puncture. 
the first ever single released on the iconic Small Wonder record label, very influential record label that is amazing selection of, of punk singles were released in that in just a, a few years that, that they existed. You can actually get a couple of wonderful CDs that I highly recommend or probably find them on, on Spotify or the streaming services if you're younger than me and don't like your CDs. It's the Small Wonder Punk Singles Collection, Volumes 1 and 2. Volume 1's got all the A-sides from the singles that they released. The, the Cure, for example, released their very first single, Killing an Arab, on Small Wonder, and a, a number of other punk bands did as well. And Volume 2 has a lot of the B-sides. The B-side, actually, to that single, Mucky Pup, was a song called Can't Rock and Roll, and... That was actually covered by my good friend Danny Holland and his band The Muck in Scotland. So that single has a a lot of meaning for me altogether. And the reason that we just randomly put it into the show tonight is a cover version of that song Mucky Pop was featured on the Exploited's debut album. They covered it on that, and that's Punk's Not Dead, the name of the album. And it's the second track on that, and both versions, absolutely fantastic. But let's get back to the football chat now. And for the next two parts of the show, we're going to be turning our attention away from the Whitecaps and MLS and into League One BC and TSS Rovers. As long-time listeners will know, we are the media partners and broadcasters for TSS Rovers, Three happy years calling their games in the USL. They will be moving to League One BC for the 2022 inaugural season. And we're going to be featuring all the the seven teams over the, the coming weeks and months that's going to be taking part in League One BC. Speaking to some of the main people behind it, some of the players that's going to be involved in the league, the league commissioner, the, the league itself. So we'll, we'll be doing a lot of interviews in the build-up to that season getting underway towards the end of May. And in the next part of the show, we're going to be looking at TSS Rovers' preparation for that debut season in the league. But in this part, I want to focus on the big news that came out from TSS Rovers this week. Their share issue allowing fans to own a part of TSS Rovers League One BC men and women's teams went live this week. Wrote an article about it on AFTN. You can check that out on AFTN.ca. So delighted now to be joined by a motley crew of familiar faces here on the AFTN Soccer Show. We're joined by Colin Elms and Will Cromack from TSS Rovers and Chris Corrigan and Brenton Walters from the TSS Rovers Supporters Trust. We're going to be chatting about a number of things on this episode. We're going to be starting off by talking about ownership in TSS Rovers that supporters can now have, the role of the Supporters Trust, and then we're going to wrap things up with a a little look at how the club is getting ready for their first season in League One BC, which will kick off in May this year. We're going to be talking to all the clubs from League One BC over the coming weeks and months, so had to kick things off by starting with our favourites. We don't mind saying it's going to be our favourite club that's in the league and yeah, just welcome to, to all of you guys. And I, I want to start off by, by bringing Will in. 
just to, to talk a little bit, for anyone that is unaware, we, we talked to Will and Colin a couple of months back now just about the, the launch of ownership NTSS Rovers that fans can have. It was officially launched in November. We touched on it back then. For anyone that is unaware, Will, just give us a little bit of insight as to what this is all about and just how the response has been to the initial take-up that went out to just some of the friends of the club and, and partners of the, of the club back in November. Yeah, it's, uh, well, first of all, I mean, this, the, the genesis of this was over a few pints, uh, many a moon ago, uh, some four years ago, and uh, with some of the gang that's on this call right now. And um, it's always, it was always part of what the club wanted to accomplish to legitimize real partnership with our uh, supporters, with our players, with our coaches, with everybody that was ever involved, that they could uh, not just emotionally uh, play a role, but um, move forward as someone who's actually had a voice and and um, you know that 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 voice really did matter because it was the voting share. So we we managed to get over the line. Uh, we are a real company, Rovers Football Club Limited, uh, that is offering real shares in their company. It's not a Kickstarter campaign. It's not a a GoFundMe for uh, buying us some new soccer balls. It is a legitimate. Uh, you own a football club in in the country and it'll be the first one uh, of its kind when it closes in our country. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. We went out to our uh, supporters, uh, Spirit of the Rovers uh, Trust, uh, uh, went out to, to the main group of those people through Chris and Brenton and, and some of the people on this call, as well as some of our families. And um, I'm delighted to say that we'll probably be near on 25% of the clubs sold by the time we uh, launch publicly, which will be, sometime next week and and we always say sometime because you never know if we're going to be on time or late but uh it'll be sometime and um yeah so people are getting season tickets jerseys or you know it does have some fun attached to it along with the idea of literally owning a football club so it's been fun yeah fantastic i i've got my share i i will say like full disclosure, it was a bit of a faff to, to initially buy the share, but it's been worth it in the end. That's just yeah. because I've got most things in my wife's name. So trying to produce ID <laughs> that they were needing was a little bit problematic, but we did get there in the end. Yeah, I'll, I'll... I do think uh, I do think people have uh, discovered um, that they thought they were probably uh, involved in a Kickstarter campaign or something of the like and, and literally bumped into the idea, wait a second, these guys might be legitimately offering us real shares in a real company and have to do some hydro bills and whatnot. So that, yeah, there's been some comments on that. And uh, to be fair though, we, we'd rather it that way so that people are honestly aware that they're, they're actually becoming an owner. So yeah. it may be difficult, but when you get it, you're real. Oh, it's, it's very, very much worth it. And I'll, I'll bring Chris and Brenton in now and like you guys, just whoever wants to talk about this, totally fine to, to go with it. But you're both involved in Spirit of the Rovers Supporters Trust. Tell us a little bit about how that came about, first of all. Mm. Well, I, I mean, I keep telling this story all the time, but it, it goes back to the very first game um, when when Rovers took the field in 2017. And, and, and this Twitter handle kind of appeared out of nowhere. And we, you know, we showed up for a tailgate. And uh, uh, we were sitting in the parking lot at Swangard looking across at the pitch and, and Willie had all the, 
players going through their motions and that. And then as they finish their warm-up, I remember just looking over at the fence, as they finish their warm-up, the players are picking up the bleachers and carrying them to the south south end of the pitch and setting up the supporter section. And I, I will never forget that moment because in that moment there was that that was clear to me that there was something special about like we're making a place for these supporters. Right? And from the moment and it was the players doing it. And it just knitted together this incredible relationship from the from the from the get-go um from the very beginning uh the very first rovers launch party we had back in 2017 that we were talking about doing this like creating a supporters trust around this club the willingness was there the openness and the curiosity from from will and colin and and, and brendan was there and uh we were looking at a bunch of different ways of doing it we spent a year kind of looking at making a, a, a community co-op to like a community uh, equity co-op to see if we could support the club that way um, and then that was like, that didn't work. So we kind of abandoned that idea and we sort of got it together um, over the past year during COVID gave us a chance to sort of sit down and regroup and figure out how we were going to do this. And, and so this, this, the supporters trust and the share offer was, was the way we landed on it. So I think it's, it's, it's very much in line with the kind of way in which this club has, has been just so intimately connected with the supporters and how the players and the owners and, and, and ultimately, the, the, the players that are coming up through this club are, are connected to it. So it's an amazing opportunity. So, Brenton, we're all owners on this call just now. <laughs> Tell me why it was important to you to be involved in this and, and to become an owner of the club. I think for me, I mean, the idea that to be part of something that is an inclusive community of soccer fans and people that love the game. And so like, right from, you know, like the people that show up occasionally right to the people who are running things. It's a community of people that love soccer and want to see soccer succeed and more soccer and all of these things. Um, so there's a huge part of, of that, of wanting to be involved in that community. Um, I think supporting the player development part is this huge idea for me of giving the players that we want to cheer for, giving them a real path, a real way to become, to give them this opportunity to become pros at this game. There's these amazing stories of, of players that have already been through the ranks here at Rovers that have gone on to some pretty amazing things. The, the guys here can speak to that more than me. Uh, but that to me is a, a phenomenal thing like to say like, yes, I supported a, a team. I was part of a team that helped get, look at that guy. He's pro now. He's kicking the ball in for this team in this city or whatever. And I was part of that. I'm really excited about that. Colin, when you see where the club is at just now and the amount of people that's wanting to become owners, put money into the club and you look back at where you started and, all the struggles you've had and the battles that you've had and everything like that. How, how does it make you feel? Oh, I, as I, as I do just with my general employment, I'm pretty lucky to make my living in, in this game. And so uh, it, most of this honestly is surreal. Sometimes I, I, I kind of look around and think to myself, you know, we were just this little soccer Academy providing, you know, technical support to players. Uh, and, and, you know, you think about, as you, as you said, some of the, some of the challenges we've had um, over the years and whatnot. And, and now to have basically a, a, uh, a top to bottom, 
U23 all the way down to U11 club, uh, all playing in what you would call the, the top leagues at each of the levels that the the, the, the different teams are in. Um, if somebody had said that to me five years ago, I would have said not, not a chance. And so, yeah, lots of work still to do. Um, can't spend too much time looking in the rear view mirror and, and, and uh, patting yourself on the back, although we've had a couple moments like that. Um, but yeah, uh, now change gears, got to get the team up and running, make it competitive, get the operations uh, tighter and, and more efficient than it's ever been. And, and so, so, yeah, a few moments spent uh, giving ourselves a little round of applause, but mostly focused on, on what happens next. So, well, this is going to go out on the podcast after the, the official public launch of, of the shares, if everything goes uh, according to the, the timescale. So for people listening to it, what is involved? How can they become owners? What does it cost? Where can they find out more information? Yeah, so um, Front Funder is our exempt market dealer um, partner. Uh, they are a, a Canadian uh, nationwide, um, essentially like a Raymond James, if you will, but uh, of uh, private shares for companies. So you can invest in companies from, you know, malt whiskey companies to uh, um, new medical hearing aid companies all on their site. We are uh, a partner with them and you fulfill uh, a Canadian-based market dealership uh, information is delivered to them to make sure that you're, uh, you know, not using your credit card to invest in something that could go down. Um, it is a legitimate purchase. Basically, people will be able to find the link on any of our social media. Um, they'll click on that link. They'll walk through. They'll be able to find answers to virtually anything um, that uh, they might think of. We've been asked it. We've been checked out top to bottom. I can assure you it was, um, if you were shocked when it came to putting in your hydro bill under your name, uh, it was uh, it was a stunning depth of information they needed on guys like me and uh, Colin and Brendan. Okay, imagine. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we, we've, uh, we've done the due diligence, so to speak. But yeah, it'll be all on there and um, videos. And then of course, you know, it's us. We're around, you know, the sports trust is there and... Uh, um, you can ask questions. Investors at uh, tss.ca is a place to ask on an email. Um, but otherwise, we're always at the side of the pitch and uh, prepared to answer and, and help people along. I mean, we are the mini version of the Green Bay Packers in the football world um, here in, in Vancouver, but for Canada. So, you know, they'll understand that maybe better than they will soccer. Is it only available to Canadians? Because obviously we have a lot of folks that listen outside of Canada. Can anyone from, say, the UK or Australia get involved? UK uh, is a little easier, actually, than the States. Um, Australia, uh, similar. Uh, it can happen. Most of them have to be um, what what they call um, accredited investors. Yeah, basically, I was just say you have to be rich. Um, oh. If you own your house uh, type of thing, uh, you can invest. And that has to come direct to us through the investors at tss.ca email. So, so you're not saying no to the Saudi millions? We are not necessarily saying no, but it doesn't necessarily fit with our values. So we'll that have is a true. vote on it. We'll have a vote on it in our supporters' trust. And uh, I'm pretty sure I can guess what the answer would be if that came in. 
Yeah, I think I can as well. That's a good time to bring in Chris. So for anyone that is interested in the Supporters Trust, I, I would imagine, having been involved in Supporters Trusts myself over the years and Supporters Clubs, there's a lot of work involved. You need a lot of hands. Are you looking for help just now? If people want to get involved in the Trust, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, I think actually um, we would love to hear from folks who want to get involved in the Trust. Um, spiritoftherovers.com is going to be our website. It is our website. And you can go there and leave us an email and say, hey, I'd love to get involved. I'd love to pick it up. At this point, we, um, we're waiting for the offer to close, which it will do in March. And, um, and then our governance structure gets kind of put in place. So basically what the Supporters Trust does is, is we, the primary thing we're going to do is being exercising all of these community shares on the board through our seats on the board with uh, Rovers Football Club. And so the trust will have um, one or two board members that's, that are appointed to the board and then trust members together will be able to vote and uh, on on proposals that we could take to the board on on different issues certain issues but will but the trust exists there primarily to exercise that governance function over the community ownership portion of the clubs of the club's equity um but we do more than that too and i think part of what we really want to be doing too is is you know really being ambassadors for what this is all about you know as brenton was saying you know we have we have Rovers players that are out there playing in the CPL, playing in in, in the Serie A Women's League. You know, certain yeah. Julia Grosso who pulled a shirt on for us. Yeah. We've got we've got people all the way out there, and we want to con- we want to continue to build the the, the atmosphere around Rovers. Um, the Swan Guardians will do their thing at the at the south end of the at the park, and and Brent and I have both been Swan Guardians since the beginning as well. But um, we're we're really wanting to put the the presence of this club in into the community and actually like drop the gauntlet in a way, and say can you can can a community support a BC League One club like this um, in a way that is a tangible investment in women's soccer? People are calling for that. Where are the investors in women's soccer? Hey, I've got a list of like seventy right now because we're running women's teams and men's teams. You know, this is a meaningful investment in women's football um, in this country. Um, and so we're, there's more to do. And so we would definitely welcome um, hands on deck as we begin to get the, get the uh, supporters trust up and running. So it's not just that legal machination of exercising the vote, but it also exercises the community will around what this club can be and how we can support, uh, how we can support it. If I could just add something there. Um, and I sure. think it's um, important that it, I touch a little bit on what Chris is mentioning there. Um, but also go back to what Brenton said about player development. You know, it, it is a very, very real thing to want, uh, um, for lack of a better way of describing it, frenzied supporters to demand accountability from the players. And we actually believe that that is a massive missing cultural piece to the development of young players in Canada. So, you know, we're sitting around, we're having a pint, talking to um, these fine people, early days but that's in the back of our mind is like what what's missing as far as developing a player and so you know what what we see is can we deliver you know two and three and four and five thousand people to swan guard and beyond to demand more from the players and have them experience it probably fail to begin with and then suddenly get uh, more used to it because that's what happens to our young players they go over to europe or wherever they go and they're just holy shit, this is incredible, right? Like, I don't know how to deal with this. So we, we need to bring that. And um, supporters are a massive part of player development that they 
maybe don't even speak about enough, uh, but they're a monster part of it. And it needs to be well known that um, we want them to demand more from every player. And they do. And the players want it. And there's a relationship there to be had amongst that. But that's an important aspect of this. Final word on the trust. I'll get Brenton to have the final word on this. If there's people listening to this and they're on the fence or they're not sure if they want to get involved or why they should get involved... What would your message be to them? All of, all of this is going to be fun. It's going to be involvement at, at all levels, right? So you can come out to the come out to Swanguard and watch amazing soccer in the for my money the best stadium in Canada. You can get involved in, in how the trust is running things. You can get involved in fan engagement. You can get involved um, at the board level of a soccer team. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways for people to get involved. And it's all with people that really love what we're doing, right? Like this is something that I think probably comes across in a lot of ways, but like yeah. everyone I've, everyone I've interacted with, you know, from the first time that I showed up at a, at a Rovers game to, you know, online shit that is, that is just, uh, it's all been so like unabashedly optimistic and fun. Yeah. It's to me, it's what football should be about and it's how I grew up watching the game like watching a, a lower league team it's all about the fun it's not about the winning because it's like when winning comes along it's lovely and sometimes unexpected especially if your team is really crap but it's it's the camaraderie it's the community spirit and I I find that right away with TSS as well and it's just something that we've got behind here on the site and the show from the start and it's been great to, to see the growth of it and I would definitely encourage people, you can get shares from $265, you can get more than one share if you want, just to stress again, this isn't fantasy football, you're not picking the team. You're not getting rid of the manager. Although technically, I guess you could get rid of the manager. But it, it's like... Hey, feel please do, please do. <laughs> it's investing in the team and it's everything like that. It's just have a look. If you're not sure, check it out. Chance to buy shares in TSS Rovers League 1 BC men and women's teams is now live to the general public. Went live on Tuesday. You can find out all the details by going to frontfunder.com. That's F-R-O-N-T-F-U-N-D-R, no E, dot com, backslash TSS Rovers. Shares start from $265 each, and they come with a, a range of packages, such as getting a free season ticket. You can buy multiple shares to get multiple season tickets, jerseys, everything like that. So you can check out all the details on frontfunder.com. That seems a, a Good place to take a little break now, but we're going to be back chatting more TSS Rovers as Colin and Willie break down their preparations for the inaugural League One BC season. And we'll be back chatting about all of that after this. I am Joel Waterman and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I don't love you for your graveyard eyes. I don't love you for your shaven thighs. I just love you for that beat, 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 beating. I don't love you for your tattered tie. I don't love you and I don't know why. I just love you for that beat, 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 beating. 
got a safety pin stuck in my heart for you, for you. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart for you, for you. Don't love you for your professed hate. I don't love you for your cards of fate. I just love you for that beat, 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 beating. I don't love you for your painted shoes. I don't love you for your friends you never choose. I just love you for that beat, 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 beating. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart for you, for you. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart for you, for you. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart for you, for you. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart for you. Welcome back to the final part of this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, I just thought I would keep the theme going through the show. It's another punk song. It's from 1977 again, and it's another single from the Small Wonder label. This was the fourth single to be released on the label. It's a a gentleman that we've actually featured in Wavelength before in one of his football-themed songs. Patrick Fitzgerald, kind of a punk poet, and that was his debut single and one of my absolute favourites on the Small Wonder label. That was Safety Pins Stuck in My Heart. Certainly got to watch where you put those safety pins. But let's get back to the football chat now. Let's get back to chatting about TSS Rovers. And Colin and Willie are still with me. And for the rest of this, I just want to have a chat about the the plans for the club going forward. As I said, we're going to speak to all seven of the teams that's involved in League One BC over the, the coming weeks and months. So from a TSS point of view, how's the preparation going? I don't know how much you can say just now about when we can expect to know schedules and, and everything like that. But just how how's the prep going for for the team at this stage? You know, it, it it's actually surprisingly <laughs> come together fairly quickly. You know, we'll we'll talk a little bit. You know, we can't say much about about the actual players uh, specifically because they're they're not yet registered and and stuff. But um, I'm going to say that that we're further along with both our men's and our women's teams right now than we've ever been. And well, that, it would, that wouldn't be hard in terms of registrations compared to the stories you've told me over the years. Yeah. We're trying to get your guys registered in USL. Yeah, well, I, I think I think the bonus here is is that this league is being presented incredibly well. Uh, you know, we had Pete Shad on Global News like a month and a half ago um, on the on the sports and stuff, and and I, I think the awareness, whereas PDL. USL2, WPSL, people are like, what? Uh, sorry, where are you playing? Where's yeah. that girl and stuff? And now it's it, it's it's front and center. And so, um, and certainly the, the the available player pools for this are well aware of what's going on. And so the level of contact, which was always you know, reasonably good even in past years is significantly higher now. And, uh, and we've managed to, uh, bring in some some people like in the past it was Will and I for the most part um, and now there's there's some people added in into this mix here who have um, uh, some pretty pretty 
uh, amazing experience managing Morgan Corey as our general manager. Uh, and Morgan is obviously the, the brother of my, my business partner, Brendan, but Morgan was our men's national team manager for 20 years. Um, All right. And does, has done, I don't know, umpteen events for CONCACAF and, and he's, he's been everywhere. He's been in every country and, and has dealt with event planning, et cetera. And so Morgan's on board trying to hold this whole thing, thing together and, and, uh, and it's allowed myself and Will to be a bit more uh, focused. Uh, and, and of course, Chelsea Hannison, uh, who's coming in to coach our women's team, a bit more focused just on the, on the players and, and, and recruiting rather than worrying about, you know, um, if that sponsor's coming back because somebody else is going to, going to be steering that for us. So mm. if I can add well, in, I mean, the other thing there uh, is that we have six players who are now, you know, four of which have finished the year of university who were, you know, 14 when, when we first started Rovers and now they're, now they're oh, 18 wow. and turning 19. So, you know, the back end of our roster on the men's side is, is going to be some TSS boys who've proven themselves to be handling themselves really well at the university level. So it's good. Another, another step in the pathway to prove that out. And obviously the women are the same way with uh, some of the, some of the girls that are, you know, going to be signing, uh, uh, have played with us at, at youth ranks and, and uh, were good then are better now and have uh, even more experience in the university world, which is just kind of lovely to see in, in one sense. It was interesting commentating on youth sports the, this past season when we were doing the women's games, how many women had come through your academy that's uh, at youth sport universities? Because I, I know you've had a lot go down to NCAA, but when you're going through it and it's like what club they've come through and it's like, oh, there's a TSS player. You, I may have favoured a little bit on the commentary as as a result of that, but that's just Thanks, my mate. that's just my biased way of of going through things. Now you mentioned Chelsea there; she's just been appointed the head coach of the women's team. What does she bring to the organisation? Oh, we're we're absolutely over the moon that that she's able to carve out some some time. Um, I've known her uh, for a while, uh, not terribly well, but know know who she is. Um, uh, I got. Uh, uh, Asked to come back into the provincial team program after a 25-year hiatus, I must say, um, uh, about six months ago. And uh, turned out, uh, because of timing, I ended up on the female side, uh, which was fine, uh, and and working with the, the, the players uh, in that world. And, and Chelsea's one of the coaches that was driving the, the process there. So I actually got to be her assistant coach. Um, and right away, uh, uh, knowing her, knowing who she was and the certification level and the ambitions that she has, I knew, I knew that she was going to be good. Um, but when I got to actually work with her, it was very, very clear to me, somebody who's been doing this for a long time, that there was a very, very good presence there and a, and a, a very good knowledge base. And Chelsea is, is pretty ambitious. She wants to, I think, coach our country one day. Um, and needs the opportunity to take the next step. Yeah. And everybody here on this on this call, particularly Will and I, have, we've always been, you know, you always need the opportunity, right? And are you ready? Well, maybe you weren't ready, but you get the opportunity. You get to go prove yourself. Kind of, kind of like when we first got our the PDL uh, group together, right? You know, had had either of us in our vast coaching backgrounds coached uh, under 23 men uh, no 
we hadn't. And so, yeah, so Chelsea's uh, been as much as she can because she's busy with, with Langley United, uh, um, which is her main employer. Um, uh, she's been helping us to, she's very well connected, uh, has coached a lot, you know, in the Whitecap Rex environment, coached a lot provincial, knows lots of the players who are in the age range that we really want to work with, which is the 18 to 23 age group. And so along with all of our connections, she's brought in some fresh ones and, and has managed to get a, a few players on the female side excited about who we are and what we're doing that we wouldn't have been able to do. So, Fantastic. I mean, I know you've been big champions of the women's game since you started. On our last show, we had Emma Humphreys, the Director of Women's Football Development at the Whitecaps on, and she was talking about the importance of League One BC and opportunities for players and coaches to, to learn, just as you're saying there. I had a bit of audio that I somehow had deleted, which we couldn't include in, which was Bev Priestman talking about the importance of League One BC as well for this crop of talent. And especially the late developers, because not everyone's ready to suddenly go and play NWSL or be a national team player at 18, 19. We've had some amazing exceptions over the years, but they're getting a bit older and older now before they're they're really starting to come through some of these players. I, I don't know how much you want to say about this, but WPSL is obviously hanging around as well with a Canadian division of, of their league. You were involved with them before. Do you see something like that complementing League One BC or does it just kind of reduce the player pool a little bit? Uh, honestly, Mike, since the announcement uh, that they made, which unfortunately I think for them was a bit misleading. Yes, um, we were talking about that on our last show. It's like it's very, not what they're very, making it out to be. excited about, hey, there's oh my, there's a women's pro league coming and clearly that's, that's not the case. Um, honestly, we, we've been kind of, we've had our heads down doing what we do to try and pull this whole thing together. I have not heard anything since uh, after a couple of days of that release being out and the buzz that it created either. and then the, the little bit of the letdown after, afterwards. And so I'm not quite sure where that fits in and if it does or if it's going to fly in, in this particular region. But ultimately, and one of the things when we've been interviewing some of the players that we're, we're bringing in, we've we've said, hey, look, the, the the there's stuff on the horizon here. There's going to be a women's league in this country. It's going to come. Like it's not going to be tomorrow. And league the league ones across the country will will spill into that. This is a platform like PDL and USL two was for CPL for us, right? This, this is going to be a platform. The, this is where you're going to be seen as a, as a, as a footballer um, playing at places like Swan guard and, and Thunderbird stadium and, and, and venues like that, you know, properly streamed games with expert commentators like yourself and Gideon um, involved. Uh, Hope, more... Hopefully we've still not been signed any official oh, contracts yet. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put that on the on the list of uh, operational uh, <laughs> things to take care of. Yeah, and and so I think, and then of course the the game is has uh, grown. We've got the women's champions league on DAZN now, mm-hmm. uh, and and actually the club that we have a relationship with, HB Cook, is actually in the Champions League. Like I've watched oh. the, the Capelli yeah. club play against Barcelona. And play against like Bayern Leverkusen 
Now they didn't win because <laughs> yeah. they're fresh into that com- competition, but that's stunning to me that mm-hmm. I can sit uh, in, uh, under the same streaming package that I watch Man City, you know, uh, play Real Madrid. I can watch the men, the men, and then I can watch the the, the women. I I think that in the next three to five years, the women's game is going to grow and in, in leaps and bounds at that level, and and of course, as you know. And it's getting better on the men's side with with the way our men's World Cup team is performing. But our women's uh, players have cachet in foreign countries, right? A Canadian player goes over to Denmark and right away the doors open, right? Because they see us, you know, been in multiple World Cups. Gold medal. Gold medals, bronze medals. um, and And so, yeah, if you're a Canadian female soccer player, and you've and you've got the ability level um, to to function at that level. The doors are much wider open right now than they are on the male side. So the uh, the interesting side of this is um, we're all sitting here aficionados of, of Canadian football, uh, invested in it, thinking about it all the time. Um, we are infantile. Um, the only reason that these kind of American leagues can kind of uh, creep in there is because we are. Um, just starting out really a, a massive journey. Um, you know, when you start looking at uh, a, a pyramid, say the English pyramid, and, and you realize like the national level leagues and whatnot are, are ninth and 10th tier and our CPL League One, you know, notwithstanding there's three MLS teams, um, um, fantastic, but they're, they're Division One. So, so what is this, Division Two? Well, it's not, but right now it is. And so eventually, eventually, you know, you just don't have, um, hey, we're going to put a Belgian team um, or a Belgian league into France. Like, it just won't happen. Eventually, it's we're building a Canadian soccer pyramid. Do we foresee that the four of us are going to ever see the end of that pyramid? I don't know. It might take a while, but there will be four and five and six divisions uh, deep of aspiring athletes moving to coaches you know everything um as we grow this out so we might hit some bumps where people try and come into a marketplace that has 35 million people but ultimately uh the csa bc soccer ontario soccer alberta soccer quebec they all want a canadian soccer pyramid and that's what we want because we live here that's the the ultimate dream just last thing uh colin will whoever really wants to talk about this the club announced last week that they have become members of the Richmond Soccer Association, so officially members of BC Soccer and everything that goes with that. <laughs> Some people have seen your tweet and maybe not realised the importance of what that means to the club. Do you want to maybe explain exactly why that is an important step? Yeah, uh, born and raised here, played in West Point Grey Soccer Club when I was four years old. Uh, um, been in the game this whole time, represented my province, was in the national team pool uh, at under 19. Um, I've always wanted to contribute to what goes on inside the system. Now you can question the system and how efficient it is, but I always wanted to be, be a part of it. So this, it might seem small to some, but it's a massive thing uh, for, for myself. Um, you know, I've, I've been attempting to solve this problem since 2003. I still have an email that I sent to BC Soccer back then about about gaining access to membership. 
Um, so 19 years of, of saying, hey, uh, we, we just want to join in, right? We've got some value here, we think, let, let us in. And of course, the, the game has traditionally historically been non, non-profit, society-driven. And so Canada Soccer sweeps in a couple of years ago and says, nope, uh, all stakeholders, uh, inclusion. And so this is a culmination of, of a whole bunch of steps. This is the last step um, for us uh, um, to be able to, to be, and, I, and I'm going to, for the next probably month, maybe checking back uh, on the BC Soccer website under membership to see our, our name pop up under the Richmond Soccer Association. I know that sounds kind of silly, but that, 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 that make, gets me excited that, I'm, that, that, that we're in, um, in, inside the tent 100%. And we are probably 85% in and have been for the last two years. This was just the, just the last step for us. And so, yeah, now um, we can help to move this thing forward uh, from the platform of a full membership, um, get, hopefully try to get our, our BC content back up into our, into our national teams and, uh, and, and grow the game and hopefully more CPL clubs in the lower mainland sooner than later. And maybe there's a tier, you know, a, a, a promotion relegation in league one in five to 10 years and stuff. Yeah. All, all of this is just a, a just more momentum for, for a group like ours. Well, Great way to finish. As always, our chat went on way longer than I thought it was going to and planned for. But thank you, Colin. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Brenton, for your time. Check everything out. We'll tweet stuff out. We'll put things on the website as well. But yeah, get involved. Support the team. If TSS Rovers is not your local team, go and support one of the League One BC teams. Just get out and support local soccer. Help grow the game in the province. And I just can't wait until May. And a rope and a rope and a rope and I'll go A rope and a rope and a rope and I'll go And a rope and a rope and a rope and I'll go So some great stuff there from Colin and Willie. I'm very excited, really looking forward to League One BC kicking off. As I mentioned there, we're going to be chatting to all seven clubs that's involved in the the league over the, the next coming weeks and months getting really hyped up for that. Hope you've enjoyed our our chat with the guys over the last two parts, and that is pretty much it for this episode. But we can't go without bringing you this episode's wavelength. So if you've been listening to the last couple of shows, you're going to know that we've got a theme for our wavelength songs this month, and it's songs for national teams as they get ready to take part in a big tournament. And this week we are going with Northern Ireland and we're going back to 1982. This is not the best football song that you're ever going to hear in the world. It's a bit of an earworm though. I think once you get this in your head you're going to be singing it. This is the Northern Ireland 1982 World Cup squad with famous Irish singer Dana and this is Your Man.
Northern Ireland's 1982 World Cup squad there, featuring the Irish singer Dana, and that was Your Man. Always remember that World Cup for Northern Ireland. They got through the group stages. Jerry Armstrong scored the winner to beat Spain 1-0, and I just remember the commentary. I think it was BBC, might have been ITV, but I think it was BBC at the time, and Armstrong scored. Fantastic occasion for the Northern Ireland fans. But that is it now for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Nice variety for you. Whitecaps chat, TSS chat, four interviews. We're spoiling you with the interviews. And we've got more to come in next week's show. But that is it for this episode. Just before we go though, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts or anything that you've learned this week? You can find me at Zachary M on Twitter, uh, part of uh, Fraser Valley. Uh, I wasn't the wrong thing. Fraser Valley Fanatics. Um, yeah, I don't know what I what I learned this week. I mean, I learned a, I learned a, that Maxime Cripo doesn't want to be in Vancouver. Apparently, yeah, apparently. Still, um, I, I I still need to know more about that because that maybe, is certainly not the impression he gave me. Maybe Steve is grieving. Maybe uh, it was a lot to take today. I, I learned that when when you've had your booster and you've only had four hours sleep because it's been a busy day doing the interviews that that we brought you in this show and you're like oh i'm so tired i'm recording the podcast tonight i'm gonna have a nap and you just settle into bed and it's all really nice and comfy you've just turned the light off and you thought i'll just have one last check of the phone (laughs) max cripo is going to lafc (laughs) that was my night gone after that i am exhausted i've learned that i need to grab a nap and a shower, I should point out as well. <laughs> Thankfully, this is not in smelly vision. I kept, I kept saying I'll have my shower after my nap, and that nap never came. But anyway, that's what I've learned. Just to <laughs> share all that with you. I am Michael McCall. Follow me on Twitter, AFT in Canada. Give us a like, subscribe, all that stuff on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash AFT in Canada. Maybe follow us on Instagram as well, AFT in Soccer. I should get back to doing more stuff on that. We were talking before we recorded about some plans of some social media things that we might do, might even investigate what this new Twitter conversation thing is, because I don't understand it. I'll, I'll just stick to Wordle. <laughs> maybe just, I'm good at that. And I, I think something else as well, if you want to leave us a, a favourable review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere, that would be very helpful and useful as well. We would really appreciate it. And always remember you can subscribe to our extra podcasts. It's only $3 a month or $30 a year. Find out all those details at AFTN.ca. That's enough of my shilling. There's going to be quite a few shillings coming the Whitecaps way by the looks of it. We will be back talking about whatever the next eventful week has had in store for us next time here in the AFTN Soccer Show. Until then, stay safe, take care. Bye-bye, Max. And mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah, but there
Et...